0: Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre. Today, our guest is John Sindler from SeedCode Software in Seattle, Washington. John came down to present at our FileMaker group here in Portland, took the train down. So welcome to the show. Thanks very much. It's good to be here. So, John, I wanted to talk to you about your business, which is FileMaker templates, and uh, specifically templates that are editable by users so the user can actually make uh, schema changes and fully integrate it.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Stuff that uh, folks can get in and modify they are completely unlocked. And most folks are moving it into files they've already uh, started. So as opposed to like a framework that you use as the basis for a new file, these are things that are getting stitched onto stuff that's already underway. So what are your current offerings? Well, our flagship product is a FileMaker Pro calendar, seed code calendar. We're also uh, selling FM Spark, which is developed by the guys at Proof, which is for uh, mail merge and especially sending HTML emails. And um, we've just uh, developed and released, although haven't really announced publicly yet, a new product called Seed Code Hierarchy. It really adds another view to FileMaker layouts, instead of uh, Form View and List View. Now you can have a hierarchy view where you look at the records from multiple tables in one layout,
0: which is very cool. I've seen some preview versions of that, and it looks exciting. I have a couple of clients that are already planning on buying it. Thanks very much. Yeah, we're pretty psyched. I'm really psyched that you're giving me free copies since you're actually sitting here with me. Of course, I am. Now I'm, I pay for stuff, man. I don't get nothing for free.
1: So, uh, what other, is there any other lesser, um, use products that you guys have or is those, those are the really big ones? No, there are a ton of lesser used products, but it's interesting that the ones that don't sell as well are things that are more like solutions. So we have a pretty elaborate time tracking application for like logging your time. Obviously, something we used to use internally. You know, when I was at like Cleveland Consulting, logging developers' time, but it was built for a law firm. And it's got this incredible like rate structure. So you can have client facing rates and customer facing rates and task based rates, I and mean, it's really elaborate. Hmm. Um, but I've used time slips in law firms before, which most law firms hate. Yeah, right. There's just, there's a market for this because most law firms do hate it. Plus, it talks to your FileMaker database. So it's, you know, it's locking time on your FileMaker projects. But um, it just doesn't sell very well, which is probably a good thing because it's overkill for most folks like, you know, you and me logging our time. But I think the reason it doesn't sell well at the end of the day is that it's a solution, you know, not a template. People aren't really stitching it into existing work. You know, and it's very easy for a, an intermediate developer to build a time tracking application. It's much harder for an intermediate developer to build, you know, for instance, a calendar from scratch or a hierarchy from scratch. And that's a trick to these templates: is you want to build something that's hard to get started but easy to extend, so that once it's there, it's really easy to mod. Adding fields to the calendar is cake. Making the calendar in the first place, you know, that's kind of tough.
0: You're exactly right there. Time tracking is much sort of easier to understand, thus a uh, smaller entry fee. So. The templates that you make, how are they commonly integrated into your customer's solutions?
1: There's two things. Some templates stay as their own file, and the customer is going to swap out table occurrences within that template. This is how the calendar works. Mm-hmm. You generally swap out the tables that point to either appointments, contacts, or projects, or to all of them, for uh, table occurrences in your own file. And we have step-by-step instructions that walk the user through how to doing that. And we have plenty of people whose first FileMaker project is swapping out the table occurrences in the calendar so that the calendar points at, for instance, FileMaker's free contact manager. And um, it's funny because that's kind of a complicated thing to do in FileMaker to swap out on, on the relationship graph. But if you have good instructions, it's not so bad. And then there are other solutions that actually uh, seed code hierarchy actually ends up completely inside your file, and so you follow very simple uh, steps to import the tables, then import the fields into the tables, and import some scripts and paste a layout, and you're done. It's really four steps. And I think we can get hierarchy integrated in about a minute and a half. This is pretty cool. Ninety seconds? That's unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, FM Spark integrates really fast. I think uh, Ernest can do it in like less than three minutes. Wow. I had no idea that it could be done that quickly
0: on either of those things. To me, I think an hour long integration is fast. 90 seconds is a whole different.
1: Well, you know, it's 90 seconds to working. And then, you know, you are going to change, you know, you're going to change the layout, get the look and feel to match what you're doing. But to actually look at it and say, yeah, this is going to work, like the kind of proof of concept that you would do in a demo. Integration versus tweaking. But yeah, of course, tweaking,
0: and that's an ongoing thing, is really as much as you want to do. But for basic functionality, there's a lot of things that take. A lot longer, so that's that's amazing, and that's yeah. definitely the goal I would seek for any things like that that I would do.
1: It is, and I mean I don't want to oversell it. Some of the things integrate more, you know, are more complicated. That this full blown scheduling edition of the calendar takes us about an hour to integrate. Somebody who doesn't do it all the time, it may take them uh, two hours to integrate. But you know, two hours to integrate it versus writing that kind of thing from scratch, you know, it's it, it's pretty amazing. And what's neat. So You know, when we always tell our customers, a lot of people ask us to integrate it for them, you know, but we always say, you know, we'd rather coach you through it if you get stuck. So follow the instructions, integrate it. If it doesn't work you know, you get the calendar layout there and you don't see any related data, it's probably one of two little things like a data type mismatch mm-hmm. or, you, you know, didn't check, do not evaluate if empty on a calc. And we can get you unstuck in like 30 seconds if you send us the file. And this way you'll have done it. And then you own it. You know it. You're not afraid to modify it. And that's what you want at the end of the day, the customer who's willing to get in there and, and, and hash it up and change it around. Ownership, that's everything. Got to make them feel
0: like they own it. Absolutely. Feel like they wrote it. So what design principles do you employ uh,
1: for the markets that you sell into? Well, obviously, the first thing is just keep it incredibly simple. In order to support it widely, you kind of have to keep a lot of the code in your head. So it has to be very self-evident. So for instance, you know, fields and scripts have a very kind of simple naming convention so that you can actually kind of talk somebody through editing a script on the phone. But then you know, the more subtle stuff is to try and keep most of the logic, most of the things a customer is gonna wanna change in stuff that's really portable in FileMaker. So in the current version of FileMaker, that means putting a lot of stuff into scripts because you can import scripts from file to file without needing FileMaker Pro Advanced. We can even deliver changes to a customer by sending them a little file with a script in it and they can import that in. There's some other principles like, you know, we try and avoid custom functions because, again, we don't want folks to necessarily have to have FileMaker Advanced. And we try and keep things down to one file because a lot of our customers are, are paying for hosting or they don't want to manage security in more than one file. So all these things about keeping it simple and having your application take up you know a very small footprint, that's what we're working on. And, and every version of the products gets simpler in that way, you know, fewer calcs. Simpler scripts, simpler naming conventions how about having a lot of data
0: driven elements so that the user can control the interface and things like that by by changing values in tables as opposed to directly editing layouts? Is that a really big thing
1: it is for for a lot of things, you know obviously especially for complex behaviors like a calendar that starts on a Monday instead of on a Sunday. right you, We have to make that a switch as I think about this more and more i 'm taking some of those switches out of global fields or out and out of fields out of a settings table, for mm-hmm. instance because that 's just one less table for the user to input. If we look at uh, you know the latest stuff that we're working on with proof in FM Spark, a lot of the switches are in um, variables that are in scripts. And it's very easy to edit that script and, and change the variables. In fact, we can even email somebody the set field string to, to define those variables if they want to do something more complicated. Whereas once that's in a field and we want to change those behaviors, you're, you're in the schema. I think as I look forward, I think a lot of that stuff is happening in scripts. As opposed to, there's still switches, there's still settings, but they're not really happening in, in fields the same way. They're happening up in scripts.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm trying to think about my own development and if I've been working that way more. And the answer is no, but I'm going to start. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, there's a, there's a problem with it. You know, obviously, if it's in a field, it can be backed up. And it can change per user and change over the course of one session, and you don't have to be a developer to change it. And there are all sorts of other things. But right. If it's in a script, it can still be backed up. I mean, it's part of the file. Absolutely. But if I were to rev a new version of the file, for instance, oh. you know, so do I write that to a global and then to a file on the disk and then... Uh, I'm not sure what I do there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a little different. But for most of the things that I think of as a switch, what color do you want the highlight to be? We're putting that in a global variable, not a global variable, but in variables and scripts because they're easier to change and we don't need the user to import another table.
0: Um, and then you have to do some sort of test on the value that they put in because there's no data testing against what they enter, right? So.
1: Right. There's no data type validation, right? So we can't enforce. Uh, we have to write a script if we want to enforce that they put a number in that variable. But basically what we're doing now, and this is another really cool thing about doing this in scripts, most of our settings now look like this. It'll be you know set a variable, and then all the options, all the possible options we can think of will be there but commented out. Only the simplest option is uncommented. And the instructions, again, we can have lots of comments in there. So they're going to uncomment a line, a line that we already wrote and it's already kind of chill, uh, rather than they're going to go in there and kind of type their own thing. Oh, that's, that reminds me, I just had a
0: flashback of editing the, uh, the file for Apache control, right? When you do the Apache config, you comment lines in and out, and the same thing for a lot of other um, you know, server-side things.
1: Absolutely, right. And so if an, uh, you know, a non-technical person like me can edit my Perl shopping cart, by modifying config files just the same way, yeah. That we're all learning from these other technologies, and and you know, Apache and the, these things, these things are designed to be deployed by people who don't really are going to read the spec. You know, you need to open the config file and edit what you find right there with reference to nothing else. And then I
0: recall how many times I've completely destroyed <laughs> Apache by by editing the config file in a really stupid way or doing something I didn't understand or or some of the some things I was trying to do with uh, setting up an IMAP email server. Which yeah, is absolutely. way more complex, yeah, right? yeah way, way more complex, so what's the coolest part of your job? I mean, it seems like you have such an awesome gig at developing templates, working for filemaker developers. It must be just a huge thrill, so what do you like about it?
1: yeah, well, selling to filemaker developers is a huge thrill. The biggest thing I like is that when I was doing consulting, you know when the phone would ring and it was a client, it was always a problem, right It was always a big deal, like this, something went wrong on the server or the you know The EDS transmissions that we're getting from our vendor aren't the same anymore, and we need to change the XML grammar, right? By the time they called me, it was complicated. But now when the phone rings, you know, especially with uh, our calendar and with FM Spark, these things that are really battle-tested, the customer wants to modify it or change something about it, I know that I'm going to make that person happy in the next five minutes, because it's not that complicated. And that's really satisfying. But I mean, the really gratifying thing is seeing what people have done with these folks that are even, you know, brand new to FileMaker, taking things like our calendar and, and, modifying them in ways that I was just never foreseen. And, uh, you know, you think that there are these burdens to file development, like it's hard to understand the relationship graph. And I don't know. I see people doing amazing things with this stuff, uh, very elaborate mods, especially for in-house developers. And it's, it's, it's really impressive. Yeah,
0: like what kind of stuff?
1: Well, my favorite one is a developer who's now out of the country starting his own consultancy, uh, in uh in texas my f- yeah <laughs> but i'm fine. um no and he uh he worked at a laboratory in new york and they had 16 facilities and they were working with uh immunocompromised uh, patients so anything that the patient did at any of their facilities be it dental work or renal clinic all the other physicians needed to know what was happening with that patient because any of those little things having a tooth pulled or a toothache mm-hmm. could really affect these people so he added uh, filters to the calendar so that when you bring up a patient, you see uh, one calendar per lab and basically kind of see their examination and diagnostic history across all the different labs and all the different facilities on one screen. So that you know if any event in the recent past has kind of uh, compromised this patient? And this was all done, not just as like lists of transactions, this was all done in the calendar interface. So you could kind of see it like as a, as a gigantic timeline. And, um, the gentleman who wrote that was a nurse, and it was his first FileMaker project. And, you know, aside from the calendar, he was actually going up to Medicare's uh, soap service to validate procedures as to whether they would be approved under, uh, under different auspices at, at, at his organization. I mean, it's just amazing stuff. That's so cool. Yeah, it was absolutely cool. I mean, this is a testament to what FileMaker is for, is to let people build their own tools, right? And, you know, this is in a compliance-audited environment, so, I mean, he wasn't just making this thing up as he went along. I mean, it really worked.
0: Awesome. Well, let's uh, get on to the other part of our podcast. Let's talk about It's Not FileMaker and FileMaker Tips. Let's start with tips. It was a really good one today that you picked up. What was that one?
1: So if you uh, grab a text object or any object in FileMaker in layout mode and option click when you grab the color palette, the little uh, paint bucket palette, let's say if you grab some text, if you option click on the little palette in the status area and change the color, you're changing the font color and fill color of the text object without having to go up to the toolbar and grab the text tool you can actually it's there's two color palettes you could
0: click there's the paint bucket one for the object and then there's the line one which is hardly ever used it's the line one that you option click to get the uh, text color to get the font right so
1: if you do the paint bucket you get the background fill i just learned this like 30 minutes ago so i'm still in (laughs) awe
0: it's a funny little thing. I, I don't know. I see little things like that. Like another one that I saw today, we'll throw in a second tip out there, is in the relationship graph, if you want to open up a relationship, so you can use the mouse to mouse around in the graph. And if you click on a table occurrence, you can use the right and left arrow keys to navigate to the relationship itself, the arguments, and then you hit command O or control O to open that relationship and then edit it. So you actually can do a lot without using the mouse in the relationship
1: graph, which is pretty cool. I'm doing that right now. That is pretty cool. The arrow thing works a little kind of unpredictably, kind of skips some graphs. I wonder if they're coming in in creation order.
0: I think it might. I don't know if you have actually have them all left aligned. But, yeah, the up and down thing doesn't work quite as good. So actually, usually what I do in the graph is I start typing the name of the table occurrence. And that's why I give all my table occurrence groups uh, codes, like, you know, two or three letters. So if I want the company one, I type in C O M. And then it takes me right to that group,
1: you know. That's actually I, I've known that for a while. That's actually something I never do because by the time I'm in the graph, I'm generally in that like I just want to look at it and kind of browse through it peacefully, and I just kind of scroll down to the section I'm in. But uh, yeah, it's much faster to type ahead. And yeah, prefixing is the key. We prefix all our uh, field names the same way, so that they're the field names are unique solution wide. Similar kind of thing. Right. Just type to them.
0: Yeah, I don't do too much prefixing on field names. I like them to be simple. But yeah, it's I'm going to come around to that opinion at some point. So, it's not FileMaker. You had a really, really cool thing you were showing me a minute ago. Tell me about it.
1: I picked this up from Shin Ninagawa in Japan. It's called 1Password. It's at 1, like the number 1, password.com. And it will store the login credentials for all the websites you visit. And so when you go to a website, instead of typing in whatever the login credentials happen to be for that site, you just type in the one password password and it fills the site for you. It's also got a password generator and a wallet. So you can put in your social security number and your credit card numbers and all that stuff. And the reason you want to put that stuff in is that this thing syncs to your iPhone. So now on my iPhone, I have like my Amazon S3 key and all that other stuff. So if you know, the house burns down and all the laptops are destroyed, as long as the iPhones in my pocket, I still have all that login information. And, uh, it's pretty hot. It's saving me a lot of time. So it's a Mac application. On the
0: Mac, you actually have the keychain, which does that. But the keychain doesn't sync to the iPhone.
1: Exactly. It doesn't sync to the iPhone. And, this is, and also, it's kind of hard to browse the keychain. And this has got a great kind of UI for browsing and creating these things. And the thing about keychain is that if somebody steps up to your Mac and you've saved a keychain password for a site in Safari, they just have to hit that URL and they're in. Somebody steps in front of this Mac, they need to know my 1Password uh, password in order to, to get in. So it's a little, right. a little stronger.
0: And then if you use Firefox, it actually has a similar kind of a thing. So Firefox actually will store your passwords to your websites. But just like Safari, actually it's worse than Safari. Because Safari, if you want to actually view what the password is, you have to go to the keychain manager. And then you can you can view a password of a keychain, but you have to type your master password to do it, the keychain password. Right. With Firefox, you can go to the password viewer thing and view any password that's stored for any website Unless, and that's the default behavior, unless you've gone in and set a master password for Firefox. Wow, I didn't even know that. That's uh, That could be a problem. And then if you do set a master password, every single time you launch Firefox, it asks for it. Before it even goes to a site that's password
1: protected, which uh, I find... Yeah, that's a drag. That's a drag. Yeah, with the 1Password, you, you can say how often it auto-locks, so you can say that uh, within um, one minute of having been asked a password, it shuts down again, so you, you're constantly typing passwords into it. It just depends kind of where you are, but uh, it's been working very well for me. So, cool. I'm totally going to get that. How much is it?
0: Gosh, I don't know. I think it's less than 100 bucks, but I don't really know. Oh, worth it. That's how, that's how you can tell someone's wealthy.
1: <laughs> no, that, no, that's that's the beauty of having a very long trial period. I think it's got like a sixty day trial, and by the time you've been using this thing for sixty days, you don't care what it costs.
0: <laughs> exactly. I, I very often I have a my threshold for little utilities like that is twenty or thirty bucks. Ah. If there's something like that, like I bought a really cool recording program for Skype, and I think it was thirty bucks, and it's like, eh, I'll just buy it.
1: I just don't buy that man. This is the man who's interviewing me with like a seventeen hundred dollar microphone right now. <laughs> Actually, more like two twenty. Cheap, cheap, but cool. But cool. It's like two hundred dollars more than the microphone I have. It's
0: a four-track recorder device, though, for musicians, so it's a double-purpose kind of a thing.
1: So here's this is the coolest part of the whole interview. So speaking of music, I'm gonna I'll, I'll take the mic out of your hands so you can have your hands free because Matt's got something really bad here. My
0: my uh, it's not FileMaker is an application for the iPhone called Ocarina or Ocarina, depending upon if you're from Texas or not. No, I have no idea how to pronounce it. <laughs> And it's, it's an ocarina application. You blow into the microphone. And it senses how hard you're blowing because it has a volume sender. And it has four little buttons on the top for keys. Which is so cool. It has vibrato like depending on how you hold it. So why I love the ocarina. I have a whole bunch of different musical instrument things for the iPhone. But it's the first one that's actually a real music instrument that you can play. You can change the key. Uh, it has a really cool little application in there that you can listen to what other people are playing in the world. Oh, and it shows you like sense. an icon, and it shows you like music coming from that little city. And uh, I put mine up there. I think it's Matt in Portland or something like that is my uh. name. I don't know if you could do it. And, then, and then as you're playing, people can vote on it, and then it tells you if people have voted for liking your tunes. But just the ex- the ability to express... Uh, by the volume and the, and the vibrato of your note is something that's key for any musical instrument to be able to do something. So anyway, check it out. 99 cents. That's it. So thanks very much for listening, and um, I'll look forward to talking to you all next week. Thanks so much.